Tappers, what's up? It is the Tuesday edition of the Daily Tap for March the 9th. Hope everybody is doing well, getting closer and closer to March Madness. Excited for that. Snow Tap Madness will be back. We will have more details on that as the week goes on. As we get closer to the madness, we also have a cool NFL draft thing we're doing with our guy Murph coming up starting next week. So look forward to that. Tapping the keg on Thursday. So a lot of stuff happening here with the podcast. We got a good show today. We're going to talk about the Dak Prescott contract and the guise of what it means for the Green Bay Packers, not only from an Aaron Rodgers perspective, but also from a, hey, maybe they should spend a lot of money given what we saw from Adam Schefter. So we'll talk about that. And then we will talk about why no one should expect the Bucks to do really anything at the trade deadline. And so save your trade machine takes for this time around. Then we'll talk about the Brewer hype train. I think there are a lot of people who are starting to get on it. I hope you are. I think you should. Um, so I'll kind of try to sell you on that idea. Kind of maybe look also a little bit at what's going on spring training wise. And that'll be our show today. So excited for it. But let's start with the Green Bay Packers. So we have the Dak Prescott deal that gets done for the Dallas Cowboys. It is a massive deal for Dak. He gets four years, $160 million. 126 of that is guaranteed. That is a ton of guaranteed money. I believe it is the most guaranteed money that has been given to a quarterback. Now, the Cowboys and Prescott have been going back and forth for the last year or so. It did not seem likely that Dak Prescott was going to leave. I feel like the idea of trading Dak to Seattle and and then Seattle giving Dallas Russell Wilson was kind of a fever dream. I didn't think that was ever really on the table. I never really even thought that Dak Prescott would leave. So this deal is not surprising in the sense of I knew it was going to get done. I guess where I am surprised is the big dollar sign that Jerry Jones is willing to give Dak after a year of the pandemic. Now, the Dallas Cowboys had more fans than I think anyone in the NFL. They had fans pretty early. They had a good amount of fans. I think they were up to 25% when it was all said and done. Dallas kind of stuck their noses up to the pandemic. That to me is not surprising. I don't think that's surprising to any of you. So they did have maybe a little more revenue than the rest of the NFL. That said, Jerry Jones works on the TV rights deals. That's not just a plot in an entourage season seven. Like that's something that Jerry Jones does for the league. He's been doing it for a long time. So when Adam Schefter tweets this out last night and says, once league source on the Dak Prescott deal, you know what this is. This is Jerry Jones tipping off the extraordinary TV deal that is coming. To me, that sends shockwaves across the league in a variety of ways, but let's just stay with the Green Bay Packers. Let's not talk about anything else. For the Green Bay Packers, it says to me two things. Number one, that A, the Aaron Rodgers restructure can also start to happen now because Dak got his deal done, and I wonder if they were waiting on that. Number two, you can start looking towards 
maybe adding more free agents and understanding that the cap is going to go significantly up as the years go on. As long as Russ Ball can kind of guide them through this year, that next year it'll be okay and you can kind of push it off as the years go on. You obviously have to be sure about COVID and there is that concern. We can talk about that. But those are the two things that Green Bay should look at as they get started for their offseason with the new year fastly approaching. I believe it will kick off next Wednesday, which all of us, I'm sure, cannot wait for. So as for Aaron Rodgers, there's been a lot of discussion about restructuring Aaron Rodgers' deal. This is a lame duck year for Aaron Rodgers. So if Aaron Rodgers does not get a new deal done, the Packers do have an out next year. Whether they want to release Rodgers, whether they want to trade Rodgers, they basically can kind of do what they want with their star quarterback. Now, Green Bay of old has sort of went to move on, and they've moved on from their quarterbacks in the past. Now, Brett Favre did have an incredible year in 2007. He They went 13-3. and They got to the NFC Championship game. Favre wasn't the MVP that year, but the only reason he probably wasn't the MVP was because Tom Brady threw 50 touchdowns and lit the fucking world on fire having an MVP or having an undefeated team, which obviously is reason enough to be the MVP. So I don't think anyone's faulting Favre for not winning the MVP in 2007. But Rodgers is the MVP, and a lot of people have looked at what Rodgers has done in the last year and said, all right, it makes more sense for Green Bay to restructure Rodgers' deal, push it off a little bit further, and then start looking for suitors for Jordan Love and try to see if we can convince teams to buy on Jordan Love. And I've talked about this. I've said Stephon Gilmore, I think, would be an awesome addition for Green Bay. Same with a guy like Marshawn Lattimore. I'd be a little more nervous about Marshawn Lattimore only because it's inside the division or inside the conference. So I'd hate to see Jordan Love go to the Saints and then be the next Drew Brees basically in New Orleans and the Packers have to go through Jordan Love multiple times throughout the years and be reminded that they traded Jordan Love. Now, That wouldn't matter if Marshawn Lattimore netted the Packers a Super Bowl or two, and I think people would just kind of forget about it. And it would take, unless they completely tanked whatever pick that they got instead of Love, that would be there. And look, Green Bay, I I don't know how rigid they are with Jordan Love. I know Rob Domoski wrote a long piece about sort of that Jordan Love needs a normal offseason and he needs a normal offseason to develop. He needs preseason and all of these things are really important to Jordan Love becoming the quarterback that I think Green Bay drafted. That said, if you're going to do this deal for Aaron Rodgers, if you're going to restructure Rodgers' deal and you're going to make sure that Rodgers is basically that out is no longer there and that you are no longer a lame duck quarterback, then you have to start thinking about maybe dealing Jordan Love. And maybe teams are like, we're not going to give you one of our best players for a guy that we have not seen a lick of, that we have not seen one lick of. Because Jordan Love, obviously, there was no preseason. He was uh, inactive the entire year. Rodgers played the full year. We didn't even really see Tim Boyle 
Tim Boyle was basically the human victory cigar. He was what the Lakers had with Mark Madsen over in the past, like in the early 2000s. That was what Tim Boyle was. Tim Boyle was the victory cigar. So we don't even know what Jordan Love is. And so there might be teams that are like, all right, we don't want to get this guy in potential. We would rather see him first. So it might be a thing where, yeah, Green Bay does restructure, but the Jordan Love deal might not come until next year. Might not be till the following year that Green Bay starts looking ahead with Jordan Love. And I I would still love to know the entire conversation there about why Green Bay thought they needed to do it. Obviously, they they didn't like what they had seen out of Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers sort of revitalized his career. Now, I don't think it's a one-year wonder thing for Rodgers. I think Rodgers is more than ready to have another MVP-like season, and the Packers are Super Bowl contenders with him. I do think if they don't restructure his deal, that things are going to get a little tense, and things are going to get a little weird, and people are going to start wondering if this is Aaron Rodgers last year, and it adds an unnecessary distraction. So I, if I'm Russ Ball, and I know that this money is coming, and I know what Dak's deal is, I'm looking forward to figuring out a deal that basically, A, takes care of Rodgers, B, works its way to 2022, and C, if you do want to deal Aaron Rodgers, making it as easy as possible to do that. So to look at it and say, all right, if we want to get rid of Aaron, here's how we can do it. So I think you should have all of that built in. Will Green Bay do it that way? I You never know. Green Bay is a unpredictable beast when it comes to money. They Devin Funches just took a pay cut, which is great. But I don't think anyone's really, you know, that just basically makes Devin Funches, I think, easy to cut if he's not going to perform in the in training camp this season. As for the other part of this this conversation, so going back to the quote about Jerry knows this TV deal is coming. Brian Gunakus should probably not be shy. Now, I'm not saying to keep Preston Smith, to sign Corey Lindsley, who has apparently going to get a monster deal. And I would I wrote about it today on SnowTap WI. Like, it's obvious he's going to go to Jacksonville. I wish we could wager on that because Urban Meyer was his college coach. Jacksonville has a ton of cap space. They have a new quarterback coming in, Trevor Lawrence. I know they signed a center to a big deal in 2017, but it makes too much sense for Lindsley to not be a Jaguar. So I will put my chips in that Lindsley becomes a Jaguar and obviously not a part of the Green Bay Packers. But when it comes to what what Brian Gunacus should spend his money on this year and kind of take chances on guys is there's a lot of opportunity for him to do that, whether it is getting a running back to supplant not having Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams and kind of getting that that Aaron Jones-style running back. Now, I think you can get that in the draft, but maybe you get it at the running back position. Do you flirt with a potential wide receiver? Like we just mentioned, Devin Funchess is coming back, but could you look at an Allen Robinson? Could you look at a Will Fuller? Maybe that guy makes a little more sense and that you don't want to trust that Devin Funchess is going to be a guy for you next season, especially when Funchess is similar to what Alan Lazard and a little bit of what EQ brings to the table. So I think that those two guys are higher in the packing order than Funchess, even though he's a veteran. 
do you look at an offensive lineman to potentially be a quote-unquote David Bakhtiari backup if Bakhtiari can't go right out the gate? ACL injuries are so interesting now because there's so much more training, so much, th- so many more things that can be done to sort of recover faster. I'm not going to count Bakhtiari out from being the starter week one. It would not surprise me. Do I expect it? Probably not. I'm probably more expecting him to be ready week five of the season. So you're going to need that backup. And I don't, and while there are a lot of linemen to draft, I think it makes more sense to empty your pockets for a pretty quality swing tackle, maybe a versatile guy that can play multiple positions. I know some Packer fans might want wanted Isaiah Williams. I get that it was just a seventh round pick, but I don't know if Isaiah or Wilson, not Wilson, Wilson's going to really like that to me is it's just a flyer. It's like, hey, this guy's not a practice squad, like rehabilitate his career, get his life together, see where we're at. So Green Bay has other, I don't think corners an option for Green Bay unless there are some really talented corners that get released. I just, this is not a good corner market. It, It just isn't. It's a bad year for corners in the free agency market. That's why I would prefer them to make a deal for a guy like Gilmore or Lattimore because I just don't see it with the corners that are available right now. I think they they leave me very cold. It's the same with like middle linebackers. It, again, leaves me very cold. I don't really, I just think you're making moves to make moves. And I'd rather, even though Brian Gutekou should spend, don't make moves just because. If you get a guy like Melvin Ingram, right, and you say you get rid of Preston Smith, whether it's you cut him, you trade him, and you get a guy like Melvin Ingram now as your third sort of edge rusher, all in on that idea. Melvin Ingram's a fucking talent, and he just can't stay healthy. So you just hope that maybe the Packer training staff can do a better job with whatever his injury issues have been, and maybe you kind of revitalize Ingram's career in a one-year sort of deal for him to sort of show it. So Green Bay has a lot of different options. Will they take advantage of it? I don't know. I know that Packer fans will be restless. I know that Packer fans are as much instant gratification fans as any that we have in Wisconsin, maybe even in the United States. They want deals done immediately. They want to know why they're not going after this free agent. I I don't know what to tell you. It's not going to just be this magical thing. It, that it might, who knows? I mean, you never know. I mean, that couple of years ago when they did Zadarius Smith, when Preston Smith, Adrian Amos, it was all in a span of a day and a half. It was incredible. It was as fun as we've had on an offseason for the Packers. But I don't know if that's what should be expected this year. And also some people have reported that it's going to be a slower offseason. It's going to be similar to what we've seen in baseball where moves aren't done right away, that people are going to start testing the waters and kind of seeing what other teams are willing to do and not necessarily go after just huge-ass contracts, despite what Jerry Jones did. So we'll see. And maybe that trend is completely bucked because they see what Jerry has already done. They know Jerry knows the TV deals in and out, and they say, all right, we can spend money because this money is just going to, this gap's going to be incredible two years down the road. We will see what happens as the NFL offseason kicks off next week. All right, let's move on to another sort of, I wouldn't say offseason because it's 
during the regular season, but the conversation similar with the Milwaukee Bucks. And the Milwaukee Bucks will have the trade deadline come up here in about three weeks. Now, Milwaukee doesn't really have many moves to make. Some said that the Bucks were interested in P.J. Tucker, and I could go 100 ways on P.J. Tucker. I, From what you hear from people who know shit, it's like half of the world thinks P.J. Tucker is washed up and has nothing left. And that just playing all those minutes with Mike D'Antoni has pretty much run him dry, and he is on E. There are other people who say, ah, he just needs a fresh scene. He just needs a change of pace. The Rockets suck. And it, once Tucker gets to a better team, he's going to revitalize sort of that career. I've used revitalize now, I think, three times in the last 10 minutes. I apologize for that. I will try to find a new word. Uh, so anyways, Tucker is a guy that has been mentioned with the Bucks. It's really been the only guy mentioned with Milwaukee at this point. Um, it's still pretty early in that sort of trade deadline. And with the Bucks having limited funds, it's likely that they're not going to be involved. They're not going to have their names in a lot of these trade discussions. They're going to probably more hope for a buyout guy. And that's going to be what Milwaukee does. I think if Milwaukee's looking at a buyout guy, they're probably looking at the point guard position. While DJ Augustine has done some nice things down the stretch, it's pretty evident that DJ is not the guy that you really want as your backup point guard. I feel like you need someone to kind of split his minutes and sort of help steady the tide of the second unit. I could also argue you would might look at a wing that could kind of help carve into some of Dante's minutes, some of Bryn Forbes, some of Pat Connaughton that kind of can do all the things those guys do. So whether it's more like a Connaughton figure that can do a lot around the rim, hit the occasional three, or more like a Bryn Forbes that's just a three-point shooter, I think that's the kind of guy that Milwaukee's looking for. Some could argue they're looking for another big man in terms of, you know, because of Thanasis' minutes. And I know a lot of people are anti-Thanasis. My personal opinion with Thanasis is kind of, I like that he gives a shit. I think that there are days where it doesn't matter, where it's just like he doesn't have it and he's just out of sort of sorts. But against teams like Washington or New York or, well, New York's good. So I should, maybe shouldn't throw New York in there. But against like the lower tier NBA teams, I think it's kind of important to have Thanasis out there because he brings that energy where it's like, all right, we need to bring it even though we're not playing the Lakers tonight or we're not playing the Celtics or we're not playing the Sixers. Like that's why I think Thanasis is great for the Bucks, And I do think that matters. So I'm in on the idea of Thanasis you know, playing in certain games. Now, Diake, Mamadi Diake, who I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, he's now got called up from the G League. He's now on the Bucks roster. Diake was amazing in the G League. Now, will that translate to the NBA? I don't know. But I think Diake should get some chances. And we've seen these Virginia guys, man. Like, Tony Bennett gets a lot of shit for kind of playing a really slow-style offense. But, man... They, they keep showing out, like Malcolm Brogdon, DeAndre Hunter, Diake. I think Kyle Guy's had a couple moments. Like they, Virginia definitely does a pretty good job with the NBA. You got you to gotta recognize that out of, uh, out of Tony Bennett. So Diake, I think, can, should have at least a chance. 
Now, will Mike Budenholzer give it to him? I don't know. It's really hard to break through his rotations. Ask Torrey Craig. So the, the fact is, is that I don't expect the Bucs to be very active. Now, there are guys where maybe it makes sense. And we're going to look at every buyout guy and say, Bucks, maybe. We did with Blake Griffin, right? And I don't think Blake Griffin was at all, A, either interested in coming to Milwaukee, or B, the Bucks should have signed him. So I, I think that, that that was one of those that it's like a Packer fan thing, where it's like every guy that gets available, it's like, oh, should the Packers sign him? And then it's like, we, we got to wait on Aaron Nagler to give us the yes, no, or maybe. Uh, but yeah, I, I think with, the buyout market, we'll just see what it is because there are going to be guys who are going to want to play for Los Angeles, right? Both the Clippers and the Lakers are good. You get to live in LA, even though you're kind of quarantined, you still get to live in LA. If Miami's good, you get to play for Miami. Philadelphia, you know, again, I wouldn't say, I think Philly is obviously bigger than Milwaukee. Philly doesn't have the same sort of feel as the others, but with Philly, you have Doc Rivers, who a lot of, a lot of players respect. So you have that angle for Philadelphia. New York could even be in the buyout market. If New York's in the buyout market, that obviously might throw a wrench in the Bucks' plans. Chicago could be too. I mean, so I do think that people want to play for Giannis. I don't think it's a situation like we talk about with the Packers where teams don't, players don't want to come here because it's Green Bay or in this case, Milwaukee, where it's like, it's not that exciting to be here. I do think Giannis is the type of guy that can get players on board. And if Giannis has to recruit, he will. I mean, a lot of people noticed what he did with Nikola Jokic and how he was kind of just being buddy-buddy and cozying up with Nico and sort of being that guy. I mean, Bucks Twitter noticed, Bucks Reddit noticed. Like, it was not secret that Giannis was kind of getting into Jokic's ear a little bit. And I don't know what Jokic's free agency is like, and I know that Giannis was trying to be a nice guy with Carl Anthony Towns, who's lost so many family members from COVID. But again, Carl Anthony Towns will remember that if he does go into free agency. And if the Bucks express interest and the Bucks can get interest, he'll remember the kinship that Giannis offered him. So the fact of the matter is, is that Milwaukee is definitely has that ability to get a buyout guy just by the personality of Giannis and how Giannis has grown as being much more than just a one-track basketball mind. Giannis is focused on getting more guys to Milwaukee than ever before. And could the Bucs move a guy like Brooke Lopez? I know that that has been a thing that a lot of Bucks fans have talked about. I, I didn't read it, but I saw a good like Reddit headline of like, why would any team want Brooke Lopez? It's a fair question, right? Like, why would you want a guy who has two years left on his deal, who's kind of looked washed, and he's not protecting the rim anymore? I think what the Bucks need to do more than anything else is they just need to move Brooke to the bench. And that, to me, I think is enough of a move that will help this roster and say, all right, Bobby Portis, you're the guy. And our rim protection is going to suffer, but it's already been suffering for Brooke Lopez. And I've been pushing the Bobby starting lineup for a while now. I think it's been a couple months. I think that is the move to make with Brooke Lopez. Would you trade a guy like Dante? I mean, you we were going to with Bogdan Bogdanovich. So I don't see why they wouldn't potentially look at Dante. I don't think Dante has been consistent enough for a team to be like, 
yeah, Dante can be a part of our like rebuilding future. I, I don't know. Unless they think with more usage, maybe Dante would get more opportunities. I don't know. So I don't expect the Bucks to make any sort of deadline moves. I think the buyouts are more common. And despite the having the whole big market thing, I think Giannis is enough of a recruiter that he can get guys there. Lastly, let's finish off with the Milwaukee Brewers. Jackie Bradley Jr. joined the Milwaukee Brewers uh, yesterday. Basically, there's no concerns about a fourth outfield. Um, the Brewers seem pretty content with what they have on their on their roster. It seems like the Brewers are very much into the idea of the four outfielder, and they have zero concerns. Bradley has has zero concerns. I'm all about it, and I'm all for it. And I've pushed my chips all in on this Brewer season. I really think that this is going to be a very successful year for the Milwaukee Brewers. I looked at a future today, and the Brewers are plus 350 to win the NL Central. It's pretty good. They, you can't can't necessarily hate on that sort of idea right there for the Milwaukee Brewers. But the fact of the matter is, is they're going to make this four outfielder thing work. I have, I have all the confidence in the world. We've talked about it a little bit already, but I, I kind of broke it out on the website today, snowdepwi.com. And really there's an opportunity where you could rotate Bradley to play four out of seven days and then also serve as a defensive replacement and maybe two of those. And then he's playing six games, maybe not a full game, but he's at least playing a little bit. So Jackie's going to get his opportunities. I think Craig Council and him will have probably got on the same page already about it and get on the, hey, yeah, we're going to rotate you in and out. We're not going to keep you on the bench. I don't think Craig Council's really about that. He tends to kind of get guys in, especially at a caliber level of Bradley Jr. So I don't think it's going to be a situation where Jackie Bradley Jr. hasn't started for two weeks unless he's like in a slump where they're just trying to work him out of it. But even then, I think they're going to start bringing him in. They just might hit him lower in the order if that's the case. So I am not concerned at all about what the Brewers might do with the fourth outfielder. Now, Mike Petrello of MLB.com, we like Mike. He's definitely a Brewers guy. Um, he, he definitely knows what the Brewers are trying to do here. And he called them one of the three under-the-radar teams in 2021, basically saying there are so many teams that are getting hyped right now, the Dodgers, the White Sox, the New York Mets. Um, I think the San Diego Padres, obviously. Uh, you know, All these Toronto Blue Jays a little bit. There are teams that are getting a lot of love, and Petrello says that the Brewers are one of them. And I love this comment because this is kind of what I've been saying and I've been kind of trying to sell you guys on is like, buy into this team. I understand that the Bucks could be playing for the first half of the Brewers season, which is brutal for the Brewers. But it is worth keeping your eye on this Brewers team because they are going to be good. They have a really good pitching staff. Their pitching staff is loaded. And if Adrian Hauser can finally sort of break through and have an amazing year, the the sky is the limit. It's going to go crazy. And if Brett Anderson, who I think is going to be benefited from this defense more than any pitcher on that roster, and he has a good year, it's hard to envision how teams are going to score against the Brewers. It's going to have to be mistakes. 
Now, I realize you could laugh at me and say, well, Charlie, almost the entire pitching staff yesterday against the Angels gave up runs, and the Brewers won a slugfest 10-9 against Los Angeles. Yeah, that's true, but again, that's spring training. You're trying shit out. I'm not ready. I was going to give you some spring training takes, and I look at it, and I'm like, gosh, there's no one really worth a damn talking about. Yeah, Garrett Mitchell's been special. Bryce Trang's showing some stuff. I guess the one thing is if Bryce Trang looks like a guy who can be at double A right off the bat, maybe Bryce Trang kind of solves some of the problems with Urias and Arcia as the year goes on. And that Trang coming up could be how you sort of figure out the third and shortstop position. And maybe you have Trang work at third base in in double A to sort of get himself ready. That would be my only real take when it comes to spring training thus far. So now that I got that out of the way, back to the hype train. The the pitching is going to be incredible. And I realize that that might not be the most exciting thing to watch as a fan. I get as baseball fans now, we want to watch home runs. We want to watch the bat flips and everything like that. But to watch some guy just throw cheese and cut up an offense is a lot of fun too. To watch Brandon Woodruff, who I know struggled yesterday, watch Brandon Woodruff just sort of slice and dice his way through a lineup is great. Same with Corbin Burns. Or knowing that when you get to the eighth inning, it's Devin Williams or Josh Hader time, and then the ninth, it's whatever guy didn't pitch in the eighth inning. And while I'm kind of in on a Justin Topa, I'm in on a a Drew Rasmussen. I don't know how I feel about Bobby Wall. Boxberger has had some moments throughout his career. The Brewers have pitching up and down the, you know, sort of the depth chart. And so that is what this team is all about. It is not the most sexy. The Brewers aren't aren't a sexy team this year, okay? If Yelich is starting to hit bombs, then they become a little sexier. Then it's like, it's like, oh, okay, the right angle, like, oh yeah, for sure. That's what that's what the Brewers would be if Yelich starts cooking. Or a guy like Avisail Garcia, who's been fantastic so far in spring training, takes his game to another level. Maybe that's when you start seeing the Brewers then kind of have both sides of it. And if that offense overperforms, Brewers are going to be one of the best teams in baseball. And that's crazy to say, but you look at that pitching staff and you're like, who's going to stop this pitching staff? Who's going to get in the way of the pitchers? I don't know. And they have some tests early where they play the Twins, who the Twins are going to be good. They play the Dodgers early. Um, They play the Cubs and the Cardinals, obviously, a couple times. They go to San Diego. So, like, we're going to know early about the Brewers. We're going to kind of have an early sort of look into what this Brewers team is. And I, or are, I think that would be the better, (laughs) the more grammatical way to say this. We're going to know what this Brewers team is. No, I don't know. I, grammar nerds, you can help me on that one. But anyways, we're going to know this Brewers team. We're going to have a good understanding of what the Brewers look like after playing some of the best teams or the supposedly best teams in, in baseball with the Padres, Dodgers. I wouldn't even put the Cardinals in there, but I'll put the Twins in there on that schedule. And yeah, the Cardinals are good and you're going to be in St. Louis, which is never easy, especially in the home opener. Fans are going to be back. Like it's going to be it's going to be a good scene in there. So, 
I'm excited. I think you guys should be too. It's worth paying attention to what the Brewers are doing in spring training and going forward and why even though you're going to have a lot of Bucks basketball going on, you should at least make some time for your Milwaukee Brewers. All right, that does it for our show today. We'll be back tomorrow. Another Daily Tap. Maybe bring in a Snow Tap What If. It's. I know I've had a couple in there. I think we might have to. It's little slow time here with no basketball there's less there's not a lot of conference tournaments rolling in we don't have a ton college-wise to talk about so might be an interesting time to bring in a snow tap what if all right take care guys have yourself a great tuesday back tomorrow all right see you bye